0: This episode of Unconventional Engineering is brought to you by Metrics. Metrics transforming the industry together. Well, greetings, everybody, and welcome back to ASME's podcast, Unconventional Engineering. I'm your host, Roy Firestone, and I am here with my co-host, ASME's Executive Director and CEO, Tom Costabile. Tom, good to see you.
1: Roy, how are you? It's always a pleasure to to deal with you and these podcasts. I have to tell you, uh, we keep finding really unconventional engineering aspects. So today well, will be another great day.
0: We certainly have that today. Absolutely. We we have a very special episode. We're, we're going to talk to two young engineers, and this is important. We want to get young people involved in engineering. I guess the whole point of this podcast in some ways, but these are two engineers who are using social media to encourage and inspire the next generation of mechanical engineers. Our first guest is Cayman Lafleur. He's a mechanical engineering student at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Cayman also is known as Cayman the Creator on social media, which you'll understand what that means in a few moments. And he's got a, a large following on TikTok and Instagram, where he showcases his amazing robotic and engineering creations, regularly receiving hundreds of thousands of views. Kamen's recreations of popular movie and film gadgets have been showcased engineering to a a new, younger audience. So, Kamen, welcome to Unconventional Engineering, my friend. Hello, everyone. Uh, Thank you for having me, Mr. Firesnow. All right. Well, thanks, Kamen. Let's start at the very beginning. First question, of course,
2: is when did you first become interested in mechanical engineering? It started years ago when I was younger, Uh, probably say around the time I was eight years old. Uh, This was the time when my my father's father was alive, my grandfather. And whenever I was younger, I used to watch him work on his truck, his uh, F-150 Ford truck. And although he didn't have the highest of education, you know, he didn't graduate from high school and he didn't get a college degree, even though that was his circumstance. He always managed to find a way to create things and to make his truck work, even when it seemed like it was impossible. And Hmm. age, I was fascinated by it because what I learned from him was that you can make something from nothing as long as you put your mind to it. Very well said. What led you to first posting about
0: engineering on your social media channels?
2: Well, originally, uh, I used social media as a means to meditate and to relax from Hmm. all of the emotion that was going on in the world at the time. Uh, when I first posted my first TikTok video, it was actually towards the end of 2020. And as most of us are familiar with, this was during a time when COVID was at a all-time high. Mm-hmm. And I used Instagram and TikTok as a way to just express myself creatively. And originally, I had no idea that I would, of course, go on to amass a huge following that I have so far. But, and and, you know, at the time, that wasn't really my intent. If anything, during that time, I was just more so focused on showing the world my creations mm-hmm. and out of myself that I always felt was suppressed. So that was really how I began. Um And it was sometime around February. That's, that was during the time when I first when I first posted my first viral video. And that video was basically me walking back and forth with my exosuit on, just showing the world what it was that I was trying to create at the time. And lo and behold, from the night I posted it up until the morning I woke up, the video had amassed around a million views. And that was the first time I had ever experienced that much attention for the projects that I worked on. So it was was an amazing feeling.
1: So 700 followers on TikTok. 700,000. 700,000, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, when you have a few, what's a few more? So uh, <laughs> why, do you, why do you think so many people are interested in your videos and what makes TikTok such a great platform for you to share engineering content?
2: I believe that TikTok it allows for creators from all walks of life to express themselves freely in a way that engages the audience that are interested in what they are doing. Um, for me, I've always had trouble expressing myself as a youth, especially from the environment that I was raised in because growing up, not everyone understood why I wanted to create the things I wanted to create. And oftentimes when I would present that to my peers, they would not really understand what I was trying to do. They weren't as supportive. So TikTok has honestly welcomed me and has given me the space and the opportunity to express myself in that way. And I think that is a I think that it is, Instagram and TikTok are amazing platforms that allows for creators to express themselves in the way that they want to be expressed and seen in the world.
1: So when was the aha moment that you realized that your channels were really uh, getting huge?
2: From the very beginning, actually, whenever I first posted my uh, first viral video, I'll never forget that night. My mom and I, we were both sitting on the sofa watching the movie. And every time I looked at my phone, my video had jumped maybe 500 views to a thousand, 10,000 within minutes. And after looking at the number of views and attraction my videos were getting, I started to look at the comments. And when I looked at the comments, what most of the comments referred to was like superhero movie, video game type interest. You know, those were the things that the people who commented, they were interested in that. And surprisingly, they saw that in my content. So that was something that I realized from that point, I might as well have used my love for science and math and combine that with my love for comics, video games and movies. And that's how my audience grew from that point. So speaking
1: of that, you you do re- recreate quite a lot of movie superhero technology on your pages, and it, it's great to be quite honest with you. Um, tell us a little bit about what what are you working on right now? What's next?
2: Uh, so at the moment, how I create is I look at what movies are coming out next. Huh. So yes, yeah, so recently I love I love
0: that you're led by the movie, and and oh. fascinating.
2: Oh yes, sir. Yeah, because once I realized that that was my theme, then I said. This is what I'm going to do. Um, but <laughs> th- recently, uh, the Batman movie came out not too long ago, and I was working on a Batarang, uh, of which I'm still working on right now. Uh, wow. My goal with Batarang is to make it as high tech as possible. So in the movie, he doesn't use it as often, but because I had always been exposed to Batman as a kid, I what I do is I look at previous designs and I say, how can I improve on this design and make it functional. And that is something that I'm currently working on. Um, Another project I have in the near future, it kind of aligns with the original exosuit I made. Uh, This next project I would like to work on is a project that will allow for me to jump higher. (laughs) So in my original uh, project, the goal of that project in the beginning was for me to lift a lot of weight as safe as possible but now I would like to add a little bit more to it, which you know would allow for me to jump higher and whatnot. So right now I'm in the works of that, and I'll be posting videos on that very soon. How do you plan to continue growing your community on social media? Uh, so of course it all starts off with the audience because without the support of the audience, there's no way I would be able to grow. And of course, There's no possible way I would have some of the opportunities I've been blessed with. So I always say put the audience first, you know, because when I was younger, even though YouTube and social media was around, it was around during a time where big creators were just getting started. So During that time, I never had the chance to see others do the things that I am trying to pursue. And what I would love to continue to do is to show kids that it is possible for them to do the things that they have always dreamed of. No matter how hard it might be, if they are determined to go through the educational process and are determined to go through the setback and the rejections that come along with doing this type of stuff, if they are determined to do it, they can do it
0: it's so important what you just said my goodness i think that you defined it completely what we're trying to do at least at least in part on this podcast is to encourage young people really any age people to 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 dream and to follow through and to not let setbacks stall you uh, in engineering um so my my question before i have one more question after this but i i just want to ask you this about setbacks You had flamethrowers going through your hands or your arms, and you've had, you know, materials going through your fingers like Spider-Man. And you've had other. Did you ever have any near misses or something that was scary that, oh, baby, I I shouldn't be messing with this stuff? Or were you just determined like an Edison? Hey, I'm just going to find the right way this works.
2: Yes, sir. I've had uh, many setbacks along the way. Uh, one of which was with the flamethrowers that I was working on, f- uh, for my back. So for those who may not be familiar, uh, not too long ago, sometime last year, actually, I created a backpack that allows for me to shoot flames from the palms of my hands. And one of the things that I had to consider when making this project was the potential of the project, like exploding, you know, cause yeah. there was always this some chance that the gas that comes out of the tank that was on the book sack, there was always a chance that the fire could ricochet and turn back into the book sack and just combust, you know, Mm -hmm. for some better words. And prior to even making the project, I spent months ahead of time just doing as much research as I could before I even picked up a tool and before I even bought any, um, uh, materials to create the project. And that's something that I always encourage on my channel too is, you know, before you embark on a project, make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into. And unfortunately, during that time, I wasn't too aware. And thank goodness, nothing happened because I always had safety measures ahead. I always planned ahead before I did anything. Mm. But my research and once I knew what I needed to do in order to make it work, I managed to make it work, but there were a lot of setbacks along the way
1: with that passion in mind, sir. um, What are you going to do with your mechanical engineering degree?
2: So once I get my bachelor's degree, um, I would like to then pursue a master's. Uh, I'm not too sure what what I will concentrate in just yet. And that's partially why I do the the experiments that I do is because I want to see where I will belong in the field of engineering. So as an example, I think it was two years ago, I created a trike. So at the time, I was inspired by my grandfather, which I am still to this day, but I was interested in automotive, at, in the automotive industry at the time. So I worked on a trike. Another, in another instance, I was also interested in working for the military. So I decided to create flamethrowers just to see what it was that I was really interested in where I would be a perfect fit. So at the moment, I can't really say what job I will work specifically but I do know that whatever I do I will always create content and I will always encourage the younger generation to join engineering and do as much as they can with what they have
1: well that's mm. that's a that's a great great response and again as Roy said earlier a lot of what we intend to do with these podcasts is just to to focus individuals in school early career individuals that uh, are looking how do they how do they advance themselves in a the world of engineering so and what you've done sir is uh, I have to tell you, some of it is very, very hilarious. I've laughed, but the science behind it is even
0: more intriguing. So, yes, sir. Oh, yes. And I wonder who your inspirations like Edison, maybe Ford, who were your inspirations in your mechanical engineering journey?
2: I would definitely say my grandfather. <laughs> Once uh-huh. more. Uh, he's he Because again, you know, despite his situation in life, he always managed to figure out a way to make things work. And that's what we do as engineers and as engineering students as well as we figure out ways to make the things that we want to work, work. That's the only way. And, you know, even from a scientific standpoint, you know, nowadays we're doing research, you know, like, for example, Elon Musk. He's currently trying to pursue uh, conquering Mars, for the lack of a better word. And with that comes a lot of trial and error. And that's something that I learned that most engineers have. That's the trait that most successful engineers have is the trait of persistence, because without persistence, there's no way that you can manifest the vision that you've always had. Because sometimes we can have a vision to do certain things, but until we put that vision into action, we don't know how we're going to get there. And that is fine. You know, we won't always know every step that's involved along the way. But as long as we know what we want to accomplish and as long as we continue to educate ourselves in the things that we really want to do as a student, as an engineer, as a rocket scientist, no matter what it is you do, as long as you dedicate yourself to it, you can accomplish it. You know, it could become a reality. And that is something that I always push for in my content. That is something that uh, my grandfather taught me without even having to say it. I just watched him do those things.
0: Mm. Wow. yeah, well, I, I have to say, you know, when just listening to you, I, you just can't help but be inspired by your story. It, it's not just mere talent. talent. There's a lot of talent out there. Uh, it's not just curiosity, but you have been very curious. But it's the talent, the curiosity, and the persistence yes, that sir. has made you who you are, I believe. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today, Cayman. This has just been an astonishing uh, story, and again, folks, if you want to see some of these amazing creations from the creator himself, tell tell the folks at Cayman where where they can go for. Uh,
2: so this would be nice. So uh, I have two platforms that I'm currently on: TikTok and Instagram, and they're all spelled the same way. So my Instagram and TikTok uh, is as follows: it's K A E M E N dot T-H-E dot C-R-E-A-T-O-R. Cayman the creator.
0: Fantastic. Cayman! congratulations on all you've done. And it's limitless where you're heading. I mean, you're a young guy and you have the best attitude and the talent, the creativity, curiosity, and the persistence. You're going places. Thank
2: you, sir. Yes, sir. And thank you all for having me.
0: Well, next up, we're going to speak with Libby Brooks. She's a recent graduate of Miami University in Ohio, where she earned a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, currently a project manager for Toshiba. Libby has gained a following on social media where she gives an inside look at being a woman in engineering. Libby is also the co-host of the My Best Friends an Engineer podcast, and each week she and her co host share their experiences being young women in STEM, give advice on getting an engineering degree, and how to thrive in a male-dominated industry. So, Libby, welcome to Unconventional Engineering.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here.
0: Libby, I want to ask you first what interested you in becoming a mechanical engineer?
3: Well, um, actually, in high school, I had always thought I was going to pursue something in the art space. I... Um, had taken my art classes. I went to a very small high school, 400 kids. So many times that my senior year of high school, when I went to take them all for a third time, my art teacher said, Libby, I love you, but you can't take all these classes for a third time. You got to find a different elective. So um, I decided to go outside of my comfort zone and try something completely new. And I signed up for a small engines class. And in that class, we took a, a lawnmower apart and the engine in the lawnmower apart. And we put it back together and um you know of course our instructor was there to help us with safety things and teach us how to use tooling and things like that but i had really uh never had any experiences like that before no one in my family um really does engineering or anything in the in the science space um in that regard so i wasn't really exposed to it too much growing up but um, I took this class and I successfully was able to put the lawnmower back together. Sure. Um and and when they went to start the lawnmower at the very end of the class, um I, I'm in an all-male class. Mine was the only one that started. And, and that's not a gimmick. That really did happen. I and I, I, I started to gain some confidence and thought, you know, maybe this is something that I'm really interested in. I really enjoy problem solving. Um, and, and I, you know, I have a curious mind. Maybe I can push the limits and try engineering. And I signed up for mechanical engineering at Miami University and I, I haven't looked back since.
0: Yeah, well, you recently graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering. So let's talk about what you're doing now.
3: Sure, so um, I graduated in December of 2019. And then, you know, as every uh, college senior does, I was furiously applying to as many jobs as I could possibly apply to post-grad. And um, Toshiba came up on my radar and I actually had originally applied to be a parts engineer over there. And, um, you know, I did have some internship and co-op experience while I was in college. And um, the result of the interview for the parts engineer position was that essentially they came back and they said, you know what, we really like you and we think that you would succeed here at Toshiba. But have you ever thought about project management? And no, I didn't even know that's something you could do with an engineering degree, but I thought, heck, why not? Let's give it a shot. And um, now that's what I'm doing today. And it's specifically in the power generation space. So. Yes. So combined cycle steam turbines, generators and uh, um, valves, equipment of that such. And um, I'm specifically in the service industry. So um, more on the maintenance side and refurbishment side of existing systems.
1: So, there'll be a, you know, a statistic that's always bothered me is the the percentage of females that are mechanical engineers. So mm-hmm. roughly that hovers around 13 to 15 percent. Um, Tell the audience about your experience about being a female engineering student. And then, you know, the segue, and I'm very pleased for you to hear uh, that you're in a group, you're truly uh, a unique person with large machinery, turbines. Um, I've been around that most of my career. I found it very, very exciting. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your experience as a female engineering student.
3: Sure. So I actually specifically chose mechanical because it kind of lined with that previous experience I had mentioned with taking the engine apart, um, and I also thought that might be a good way to incorporate, you know, my interest in art because a lot of times mechanical engineers have to use CAD or um, you know three D modeling software. So I thought that would be a good way to incorporate that interest. And you know, I, I would say I had a fairly um, positive experience over at Miami with my engineering degree, but you know typical to any woman in STEM that you talk to, their experience is always probably gonna be very similar And that I was maybe one of five students um, that were female in a, for example, 70 person lecture or class. So that's never something that's bothered me. Um, it, in fact, it's almost challenged me to uh, kind of bring uh, the representation for women up and show how, how successful we really can be in that industry. Um, and you know so uh, other common experiences that I'm sure other women can relate to you know any project group project that I had to do, I was always the only um, girl in the in the group. Um, but you know what? I I persevered and and moved forward, and if anything, it gave me more motivation to continue on with the degree and ultimately graduate um, so I can contribute to increasing that overall statistic of women in mechanical engineering. Um,
2: I want
0: to ask you specifically, uh, Libby, about how you are using the social media pages to help other female engineers. I, I I remember talking to you about the fact that you start with some basic things that people are in the engineering world, how to dress for a job interview, you know, for a for a mechanical engineering firm. That's one thing. But what impact do you ha- hope your social channels will have on the engineering community in general? Well, you
3: know, I, I- my overall goal with posting on social media is i just want to provide a resource for anyone to come online you know social media is so accessible for for most of all people and just to see hey if that girl can do it i can do it you know right. i'm just this normal person from a small town in the midwest who didn't really grow up with a lot of background in engineering or you know i didn't have a dad that worked on cars that i was exposed to all the time or You know, some of those other things that are typically what encourage people to go into engineering. I didn't have any of that. I just saw this as something that was curious to me, uh, something that I could stretch, um, you know, my comfort zone with and just learn something new. And so, um, you know, I I think for women, especially the social aspect of having a career um, in a dominantly male field is that, like you mentioned, sometimes it can feel awkward to ask your male coworkers, hey, is it appropriate for me to wear this to work? And so if I can be that resource for other women to say, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to wear skinny jeans or something, for example, uh, at my job, you know, but I, I do know that this girl Libby posts on social media. Let me go to her page and see if she has other examples of what's mm-hmm. appropriate to wear in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just making women feel not not as alone and and like they've got you know uh, another team member me that they can look to to ask, ask these questions to.
0: Well, you've also grown a very large following on both uh, Instagram and TikTok. You've had sponsorships, major mm-hmm. companies like Neutrogenia, L'Oreal. Yes. So, what do you think makes your content so relatable? To young engineers, Libby?
3: You know, I think with social media the best way to be successful is just to be your true and vulnerable self Mm -hmm. and I, I think that probably is what makes my content so relatable is that I love to share the highs and I love to share the wins at work and the wins in my personal life and you know some of the hobbies that I'm interested in but at the same time I'm not afraid to get on social media and and be realistic and say hey I graduated with a 2.8 GPA. Um, whether you think that's good or bad, I went on and I got a job and I'm thriving in my career. And so, um, you know, if if you do have, for example, a lower GPA, you don't have to feel so intimidated. And there are ways that you can still be successful within your career. And, and I think that's that's probably what contributes to the a lot of the relatability um, on my pages.
1: Libby, you recently started a podcast called My Best Friends, an engineer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why did you start that podcast? And uh, tell us a little bit, what what were your expectations?
3: Sure. So when I was growing up, kind of like I've mentioned, I didn't really have any key female role models to look to in the STEM or science space. I mean, my main um, role model was my grandpa who um, went on to, you know, he was a doctor and he always encouraged me that I was a smart young girl who would do anything I set my mind to, um, which is fine. But, you know, I, I really wish I would have had, you know, older females um, that I could have maybe considered my peers who are just a few years older than me doing things that I wanted to be doing that I could look to, to listen to their experiences and um, see how their careers have gone. So with the podcast, my best friends an engineer, um, my, Uh, Co-host Lexi and I put this together. We both went to Miami and and met in the engineering school. Um, We have just been bringing on different women in STEM fields. For example, we talked to someone who was an electrical engineer at NASA. We brought on a woman in the biomedical um, industry who is doing 3D prosthetics um, for people, but she also competes in pageants. So um, our goal for that is just to bring on different women to hear about their experiences and, and normalize, um, you know, those experiences a little bit more for, for example, maybe a girl in high school is listening to our podcast and didn't even realize all the different careers or options she had um, right. as someone who's interested in math and science.
1: So Libby, uh, what are your future goals for your engineering career? And, and I'll, I'll tell it up with a funny conversation that happened to me earlier this week. we ASME has a program called ASME Drop Me In, where we get the opportunity to drop into a high school setting with a bunch of students. And I, I, I like to leave my email address over, so I got a couple of feedback notes. And one of them wanted to know how can I get your job. Oh. I thought that was fantastic. So, so tell us what. What a little bit about your. <clears throat> what do you see yourself going next?
3: Yeah, sure. Well, I think that's a hard question because, honestly, my goals are, are changing daily, weekly, monthly. I feel like I always have new ideas for things that I want to pursue in the future, um, but right now, I've been really uh, just incredibly grateful for the experience that I've had in the project management space, and I've really learned you know, how to deal with all different kinds of people and You know, all the typical tasks that come with being a project manager. Um, But if you're asking what my goals are for, for example, the next 10, 15 or 20 years, um, you know, I would love to uh, figure out a way to start some sort of a foundation or a program specifically for women in stem and um, a program and such that would uh, be introduced to middle school and elementary school girls. I say this because when I was younger, I was a part of this summer camp and it was a, um, like a, a space summer camp at, um, it's it's called Yerkes. We have a telescope nearby me and we got to do all sorts of things like build models of planets in space and learn how to use a telescope and, and things like that. And that really impacted the way I viewed myself as someone that could potentially enter the STEM field. So I would love to, you know, maybe have a company that does something similar, provides um, summer camps um, for younger women in STEM uh, or girls in STEM um, to, you know, do these sort of fun projects to really spark their interest at an early age.
0: Mm -hmm. That's, That's great. I'll come back to you with a couple of ideas on that. So You mentioned your grandfather was an early inspiration in Mm -hmm. in basically telling you, you can do anything, you're a bright young person, and don't let anyone tell you you can't, which is tremendous. Mm -hmm. But this is a two-part question. Besides your grandfather, who else has inspired you? Maybe people that we might know. And also, why do people need to have other people inspire them? Why can't they inspire themselves?
3: Like you mentioned, uh, my grandfather is always someone that I've looked up to. Um, you know, I have vivid memories growing up of him being like, "You can do anything you want. um, you are smart, you are bright. Um, re- the future is yours." And I think that encouragement um was really monumental to me growing up and building my confidence that I could do anything I wanted to. But I think besides my grandfather, two people kind of come to mind for role models that I've loved reading about and um, learning about their careers and try to, trying to model some of my career uh, against theirs. And those two people are Steve Jobs, who, you know, we all know who Steve Jobs is, mm-hmm. started Apple, and then um, Sophia Amoruso. And she actually started a fashion company, a clothing company. Um from the ground up and she started just by selling vintage clothes on eBay and while that's not you know in the STEM space um the reason that she is such an influential role model to me is because she really started with nothing she had no experience running a company um or in the fashion field and it's just something she was passionate about that she ultimately grew to be a multi-million dollar company and i think the reason that's so inspirational for me is because i kind of identify with that a little bit too in that i started mechanical engineering with Absolutely no knowledge, no previous knowledge, you know, maybe besides some of those few summer camps that I had mentioned. But I I didn't really pursue it too heavily in high school. I mean, I took, you know, AP physics and AP calculus. I guess you could say that was a little bit of, you know, the math and science stuff, but sure. that that was really it. And so that's why she's such an influential role model to me, is is because it's kind of how I mentioned with my social media. If she can do it, I can do it. Um And I guess kind of to go off of that, your question of why can't we inspire ourselves? I think that we, we need to find people who we can envision ourselves being in the future, something that's attainable to us, that in our brains that we can say, okay, I could, I could maybe see myself doing that in the future too. Because then it almost gives us like this this image that we can strive for um, and we can align our goals with to ultimately, you know, go down a similar path to the people that are inspiring us.
0: Yeah, that's, that's such a strong point. And it's not it, it I said this to Kamen too earlier in the, in the in an interview. Um, it's not just enough to say, hey, that's cool. Mm -hmm. it's, it's more. And I think this is what you want to do. It's more, Hey, that's cool. How could I be involved in something like that? Mm -hmm. In other words, just to show something that's dazzling on social media, it's disposable, you know, it's forgettable, you know, for after a little bit of time, but to be able to say, this is cool. I want to do something like this. How do I do it? That's that's, then you're really finally meeting your audience, I think.
3: Right. And and I think it comes down to is the does the viewer think that it's attainable for them? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, a big part of why we don't see women in STEM too often is the discouragement of failure. I think um, as a woman, you're already in a space where you feel like you need to prove yourself, you might have some imposter syndrome and feel like you don't belong because you aren't able to find many other people that look like you in the space that you're trying to work in. And, You know, you may encounter a failure, whether that's in school or your career, feel embarrassment and be like, well, I I don't think I belong here because I failed and nobody else around me is failing. Nobody's talking about failing. So maybe I should try to do something else. And I think my advice on that is don't be discouraged and think of failure as a positive thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I I failed classes in college. I failed things in my career and. You know, I think especially in college, I saw those as as truly pivotal moments where I was able to sit down and say, all right, clearly something I was doing didn't work out. That doesn't mean it's good or bad. That just means I need to pivot and try something new. And lo and behold, the next time I took those classes, I succeeded and and got great grades in them. So I think my advice would just be, you know, try to push through those times of feeling discouraged and those Things that you may think or view as failures and keep going anyway, because you, you know, you'll never know what you'll be able to accomplish if you if you end at that one failure.
0: Yeah, and, and that's another thing. Earlier in this interview with Kim and we were talking about this, mm-hmm. Thomas Edison had 10,000, quote unquote, failures in trying to discover the incandescent light bulb. Mm-hmm. But when they asked him about all those failures, he said, I didn't fail once, I succeeded. I succeeded in finding what 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 won't work, and right. now I'll find what does work. So what you're saying to Libby, is even if you fail, you're succeeding in knowing that didn't work that time, but it will right. work in another in another way, right?
3: Right. And and you know you you never know what you don't know. So um, you know if you do encounter a failure or find something you're not as good at as, or maybe you don't like. Celebrate that and be like, wow, at least I discovered that this is something I either need to work on, don't like or want to move away from, you know, be excited that you discovered that and um, look forward to the next time you're going to fail because that'll just be the next time you're able to niche down and really understand what you're actually able to be successful at.
0: In my career, I never got anywhere unless I failed. This has been great, Libby. This is fantastic. It, yeah, uh... it was just just great. And I appreciate it, Libby. And congratulations to all your great endeavors. I think the best is yet to come. And, and I think you're really, really providing a great service.
3: Yeah, Thank you so much for having me on. This has been an awesome conversation.
0: Okay, well, that does it for today's episode of ASME's Unconventional Engineering. Special thanks to my co-host, ASME Executive Director and CEO, Tom Costabile. And thanks also to all of you for listening in. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. And we love to hear your suggestions for potential future topics and guests. So you can reach out to anybody on the Unconventional Engineering Production Team or send your email directly to media at asme.org. And to become an ASME member, please log on to asme.org. Or if you'd like to donate, go to ASME Foundation. Go to asmefoundation.org. For ASME, I'm Roy Firestone. Have a great day, everybody.